Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day, church. Man, there are some exciting things going on. In honor of that, we're kicking back off with revamped and refreshed uh, growth track. I just want to kind of get this in the culture and the atmosphere uh, to let you know, coming the first of this month, also coming, coming the first of July, also coming the first of July, men, real men is kicking back off and catching a fresh swing. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. And uh, I just want to encourage you, since y'all are the 9 o'clock, y'all are the troopers, y'all are the real, the radical, the raw, and continue to build this uh, conversation amongst, not just from the platform, but, but amongst conversation w- with people you know that possibly have not signed on, have not come a part of the dream team. Because we want to, a part of our thing is, you know what, we're a church for the unchurched and the uncommitted and the undecided. But you know, the part of that also is to lead them to become passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And I don't believe you can experience Jesus any more than when we allow him to be used through us, when we allow Jesus to shine through us in a tangible way. So, uh, and that's what the Dream Team does on Sundays and Wednesdays in so many ways. And we want to meet that need because people come in here every single week looking for hope. And you know what? They're not going to find it from a preacher. And they're not going to find it from a band. They may use both of those, but they're going to find it because of the experience they have amongst the people. And uh, because the, how many of you realize we are the church? Amen? And I'm so glad we are not a church that is a pastor and we are not a church that is a band and we are not a church that is coffee. We are the church. But uh, so what do we do? We work together to reveal Christ to everybody. And part of that is, you know what, when people begin serving and begin seeing, you know what, all of a sudden somebody's like, would you pray for me? Come in the door. They just meet that need right on the spot with a high five and a hello. And it just brings somebody up. Most every single person who ever comes for the first time and returns does so because of what happened in the parking lot before they ever got in the building. Just an FYI there, and would love for you guys to be a part and just continue to build that. Also, I don't know if you know this. I'm just completely throwing this out there right now. We have a podcast. All this stuff, Chelsea said Cornerstone Church, but actually you'll never find it at Cornerstone Church because there's so many. But if you type Cornerstone Vidalia, you will find anything of ours anywhere. And uh, so if you're like not here and you're like, you know what, I want to catch up. I'm kind of interested where things are going. The podcast, uh, Cornerstone Vidalia podcast, just running, getting tired in your ears. It's good. So here we go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for today? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. So praise God. This week, if you haven't been here in the last few weeks, we're in week three of a series called When the Devil Knocks. When the Devil Knocks. And if you were here week one, what we have done so far, just kind of catch up, is we have noticed his tactics and we have heeded kind of instructions or in the beginning, the words of Peter that said, said, be aware. Said, watch out. Stay alert. You remember that? Stay alert. Watch out. And then the awesome thing is, and Peter continued on, and the awesome thing about that is Peter is a guy who, you know what, he is a man who has fell flat on his face enough that the whole world gets to read about his story in the Bible of failure after failure after failure. And so he, it brings complete, just a lot of authority with it when, when God is leading him to, say, to be the one to say, watch out. Stay alert. Because it says you're, the devil, your adversary, your great enemy is roaring, seeking, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And then we said, you know what, one way that we stay alert is this. We resist blame, and instead we proclaim. We resist blame. We resist, well, if they wouldn't have, and if this wouldn't have, and because that happened to me, and the way I grew up, and the way I was raised, and, the, you know, for people like me in my neighborhood, and the way we grow up, and people that, if you had a marriage like me, and, and if my, if my, because of what my kids did, and because of uh, all this experience, we resist blame, and we proclaim. 
What do we proclaim? We proclaim the truth of God's word. What is the truth of God's word? Though you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are, you are an overcomer, absolutely. It, uh, we, we take the promise where Peter continues said, you know what? We have somewhere. We don't have to carry the cares because we can cast the cares upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for us. You know that he is our provider. He is our protector. He is our rock. He, is, he gives us the sword of the spirit to use it in defense of us. We don't blame what I'm saying. We proclaim we proclaim and what we did we continued into the second week then the next week we looked at the story of adam and eve and we realized you know what how many of you realize the devil every time he speaks he will tell a little bit of truth with every lie right but jesus said this in john 8 44 and not only does he lie but he's the father of lies it is his native tongue when the devil speaks how do we know he's lying because his lips are moving well let's let's take it into a human stance then how do we know that we're being we're believing a lie and we're starting to buy a lie we, we, we observed, said, you know what, when the peace begins to leave, when the tension begins to build, when we move from, when we move from conviction to condemnation, when we move, when we realize that it's all self-motivated but may bring harm outside of that, we, we realize when the tension is building, when the anxiety is building, it's probably an indicator that the devil is leading. Because what, when Jesus said this, he says, the peace that I give, the world cannot take from you, right? So the only way we can lose peace is not for it to be taken, but that we give it away. If you remember, you probably heard a verse like this that where Jesus told him, he says, in this world you will have trial and tribulation, but be of good cheer. You will have trial and tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world, right? So, so if, he can, if Jesus can speak so boldly to say, you're going to have trial, but have cheer. You're going to have burdens, but have cheer. You're going to have friction, but have cheer. Then obviously there is a peace in the chaos. And if we bring chaos and begin to lose our peace, then obviously there is somewhere where we are beginning to believe a lie and we are given because the devil can't take. So here we go, which leads us all up, no matter how convincing he is. And so just so you know, next week we're going to wrap all this up and it's going to be good and we'll just provide an arsenal of God's word next week. It's going to be very different, but very good. So which leads us to today. I have a simple question for you, but I want to kind of set this up. Because I'm asking you to consider, when I ask the question, don't go long term. Just kind of consider it in the context of maybe the past week or the past week and a half. And come up with a very, very, very real and authentic answer. Can you do that with me? All right, I'm going to start prodding a little more. I know it's, I know it's the 9 a.m., but come on. You prob now, you've probably said what I'm about to say before. Because you live in the South, and because in the South we say God bless you even if we don't believe in God. You know, we just have a spiritual, we have a spiritual tongue and language to a lot of things we say. You know, we, we have shirts that, you know, you, you're Southern if you have sweet tea in Jesus. You know, it's just like, you know what, you, there's three things you can't take from me. God, guns, and beer. I don't advocate any of that. I'm just saying that is the culture we live in that buys that. That is, that is perfectly acceptable sayings in a Southern culture. We, we mix, it, mix it all in. God doesn't, but we do. And so what I want to ask you in the context, you probably said things like this. Man, the devil is really attacking us lately. Man, the devil is really attacking me. He's really attacking my family. Have you ever, here comes the question, have you ever said or thought, well, let's just before we go there, have you ever said or thought that before? The devil is really attacking me. And you put any kind of thing on. Okay, so, so here's my question. When do you, or like what are the, what are the characteristics? What are the moments? When do you actually recognize that the devil is attacking? 
Like, like, what is it? Is it utility bills due and the bank account's empty? Is it the tire went flat in the middle of the rain? Is it the devil is attacking me because traffic stopped on the bridge and I can't get across? Because my hamburger has onions and I said no onions? I mean, I'm being silly, but come on. When do we recognize the devil attacking? When, when somebody begins cussing me? You know, it has to get to a certain level. When I lose a job. When I'm wondering how much longer will the marriage last. Wondering when my kids will ever come back. When do, uh, you know, it goes all over the spectrum. When do we, consider, just kind of personally. When do you recognize the devil is attacking like, what are the times that you say, man, I lost my job, the devil's attacking? For, for some, you know what, we, we can't talk without fighting, so the devil is attacking. I, I didn't pass my test at school, pray for me, because the devil is attacking, you know. Maybe, maybe you get offended at things. And now you can't feel accepted around where you were before because you chose offense. Say, oh, pray for me because the devil's attacking. I just don't feel the same anymore. When do you recognize the devil is attacking? And what I would like to do is I want to open the understanding a little bit, a little bit larger if I can. I want to kind of push back and I want to prepare you. And you know what? That a lot of times, can I just prepare you to drop that phrase? Because can we be honest? Most times we're just pouting. Because we don't want to accept any responsibility of our own to fight back. To renew our mind like we talked about Wednesday night. So here are Satan's tactics to just set this up. Satan is, and this isn't mine, I, I kind of stole this, but Satan is a deceiver who attacks our mind with lies. He is the accuser who attacks the heart with accusations. And he is the destroyer who attacks the will with pride. He is the deceiver who attacks the mind with lies. The accuser who attacks the heart with accusations. And the destroyer who attacks the will with pride. So that's from a book called The Strategy of Satan. But, but as a deceiver and as the accuser and as a destroyer, I want to kind of push back on whatever your answer was to like, this is where I know when the devil's attacking, when the devil's attacking. I want to kind of push back just a little bit and say, you know what? It never is about when the devil is attacking. Because whether you realize it or not, you're always under attack. There's never a not under attack season ever. There's never a not under attack moment. There's always a strategy. In fact, if it's to the point that we are specifying when the attacks are, then it's probably because we let him inside of our house a long time ago. So let me provide a few cheesy examples, if I can, to just kind of set this illustration up of different times in my own life where I recognized that I was attacking. I guess, I guess the first time I realized was I was in the eighth grade. And I know, like, really? You took that long? Yeah, and it actually took me a lot longer than that. But looking backwards, I can see a, a point where uh, one of these strategies was a definite attempt on my life and my, and my future in the eighth grade. And what happened in the eighth grade is, you know, so many things happened before then, but I had never known that there was a war against me until around that time frame. I knew, never knew there was a battle going on. What had happened, I had broke my leg one day. And if you've broken a bone, some of you are tough. My kids have broken bones, and they're like, hey, just give me some time on this roll. I broke bones, and I thought I was going to die, you know? And so, so what happens is uh, everything is cool. You're at the hospital. They set you up. They give you some medicine. You ready to go home? Oh, yeah, I'm ready to go home. You know, we're just going to ride this one out until the, the night comes and the pain medication begins to wear off. And I remember I had broke my leg, and if you've been there, I was crying in the middle of the night. I was throbbing, moaning, you know, when it hurts so bad, you're like, mm -hmm. why don't we, 
does that ever make it go away? It's like something, it's like all this pain is in the body, and maybe this is the way that it comes out. So, so moaning, even to the point of a little bit, some anger pain, you know, you get mad, just, ugh, because, and my mom was so kind. In the middle of the night, she'd come, and she'd lay beside me in my bed, and she'd pray for me. You can't live off Granny's angels, though, come on. And she'd pray for me, and probably gave me some Tylenol or some painkiller or something that wasn't killing pain. I would moan, and I would moan, and I would moan in my little 12-year-old self. And I remember, and finally, she looked over at me, and she said, Danny, dark in the middle of the night. So, Danny, it's time you begin thanking Jesus. i like, you know, I may be 12 years old, but I know how this works. You don't thank Jesus when you got pain. You thank him when it's gone. No, I ain't doing it. No, I ain't going to do it. And she continued, Danny. Telling you, begin to thank Jesus. And man, can you, in, in the midst, isn't it amazing? No, I won't, I won't. She persisted, she persisted. But you know what, can I just be honest? In the middle of the night, in my own bedroom, in excruciating pain, throbbing, thought I was going to die, kind of just throbbing up my whole leg. It's nuts, but I was too embarrassed in the moaning pain to even begin to say thank you, Jesus. Just too embarrassed, that's all it was. Can you relate? You've been there over ridiculous things. And finally, I was desperate enough that I began to mumble. Thank you. You know, Greg, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Danny. You got you to do it. Danny, come on. Danny, come on. And I noticed, you know what? I began to mumble, and my pain began to reside. As my pain began to reside, my mumbles got a little bit clearer. Thank you, Jesus. A little bit less. Thank you, Jesus. A little bit less. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you. you know, it, it, it builds up to that. And literally the pain would just disappear until I could just go back to sleep and chill until the pain woke me back up again. And it was a cycle and over and over. But you know what? From that point on, thank you, Jesus, was my medicine. And, and thank you, Jesus. And it sounds silly, but can I tell you this? When I look back, the devil was attacking this little 12-year-old with pride. And Jesus was using it to teach me about a battle that is happening. He was using it to teach me something. Uh, how, how else does the devil attack? It sounds dumb. But can I just tell you, I lose things. I lose things every day. Particularly, I lose two main qualities that I need every, most every single day of my life. Keys and my wallet. And, and I could say all day, since Kelly isn't in here, it's probably because she moved it, you know. But... But the reality is, I, and then when I see that she didn't move it, I just found it where I left it. I had to just slyly walk out the door. But I'm working on it. But I lose my keys, my wallet, at, almost all the time. If, I'm, if you ask me to be somewhere and I'm late, it's not because I didn't prepare early. It's not because we didn't get ready on time. It's because I couldn't find my doggone keys. And so, um, and so anyway, what I was having though, I... So I'm just thinking, you know what, I'm looking around, looking around, looking around, and this goes on all, all the time. And it gets to the point that I think about, you know what, I think about praying for help. I'm like, nah, that's just dumb. She just don't care about that. Y'all, I done gave up these days. I'm like, Jesus, show it to me. Show me where my keys are, where my wallet is. You know, and, and I just ask Jesus, and literally it becomes obvious, like with, so quickly, over and over and over and over. Even found a light in the building here like that not long ago. Look for something for a light, one last picture to put up for like 20, 10, 15 minutes. Finally, I walked into the room. I was just like, just show me the light. Woo! There it was. Saw the corner of it sticking out from behind some stuff. It, it sounds silly, but can I tell you this? 
It's an attack on my mind. Because here it is. It's an attack on my mind with lies. And the lie is this. Jesus don't care about the little stuff. And you know what happens? If I buy the lie that Jesus don't care about the little stuff, then it just progresses me to begin to believe that he doesn't care about the big stuff. See, I, my praying about my wallet was dumb until I brought that out, wasn't it? I don't, I don't know how you feel about this. What I want to say, I'm just really going to be very transparent. It's going to give you the chance to either love me or judge me. But every single weekend, y'all, the, the fact that I even preach is a testimony. The fact that I'm standing here right now is a testimony. The fact that I'm speaking in front of you is a testimony. The fact that it makes any sense is even more of a testimony. Literally, I, I'm talking right now, and this sounds stupid, but I just want to say, this is so ridiculously hard for me. And I know some people got the gift and, they, and all that kind of stuff, but can I, I, it, it's just ridiculously hard every single time. But I can, can I, I got to say this, I consider this time slot exactly what God has called me to do. I consider this time slot in exactly the most important thing that God has called me to do. It's not a back padding or anything, but there is a time that goes into every single week. This is the one shot to equip people who already love Jesus to fulfill their passion and the calling that God has placed inside of them, to awaken that and stir that, to equip it to be powerful and go outside the doors and do. And also, for the dead and stone cold, it's an opportunity that God says, you know what, I will send the dead and the stone cold and the cold at heart. And it is the one opportunity to awaken that. And I mean, that happens on a day-to-day, but in a, in, a, in, a, in a congregational setting. And so I consider it very, 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 very serious. And every day, I am, atten- I am tempted to get sidetracked. I got any sidetrackers in the house? Yeah, 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 yeah. And every day, and so I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm sitting, and I'm like, I'm, I'm full, ready, geared up, getting here. And then I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? We need to go buy some paper. Yes. Yes. All right, doggone, now how do I get, get paper out of my mind? And then I'm sitting there, and I'm so distracted. I'm like, I know kind of the game. I know kind of things where God is leading. And then I'm like, hmm, pens. Let's go see if there's any pens. Let's check on pens. See if we need to order some pens. Yeah, I need some pens. I did order some pens, by the way, if you're on that team, and you saw they were running low. They're coming this week. But... And then I'm like, oh, you know what? I need to mow the front grass. I'm like, Danny, I know Danny Sims. He, he takes care of all, all that grass. By the way, he, would, he wouldn't mind some help. Come on, somebody, if you would love to mow grass. I, I won't say it's at 11 o'clock. You get the special invitation. But, man, there's a place to provide some life-giving engagement as people walk in and come in. And the lawn, we'll provide the lawnmower and the gas. We're just provide, asking you to provide on the Wait on the seat. But anyway, and, and I sit there, I'm like, you know what? I can't mow the whole thing, but doggone, I can mow this piece, right? This little bitty piece right here in front. And make it so that at least it looks good when people come up right there. Yeah, 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 because the twig grew that much. And then I, I said, no, 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 I need, I need to focus, I need to focus, I need to focus. And I'm like, you know what? Todd's cutting limbs. I'm going to go watch him cut limbs. I wish I was cutting limbs. And I stand at the door, and I'm going, man, I wish I was out there. But I know if I get out there, then I'm going to get hung. Yeah, I know, I know what I need to do. I get, what I'm saying, y'all, is I get distracted. And, and I'm trying to stand. And I'm trying, what I'm trying to resist all that, that temptation. I'm trying every day, though. Meanwhile, what happens is time passes by. And this is the, the other part of it. Literally, before begin, even though I had things together week, some amount of weeks ahead, to begin to actually put things together, to sit down and spend time with the Lord, it takes me about two hours just to kind of check out. Literally, I'm sitting for like two hours, reading Bible for two hours, whatever, for two hours, and to just defunct my mind. Any of y'all have to defunct your mind? 
to just detox everything because I get so caught up in the, in the little what's going on around. That's why the mornings are just the most beautiful thing to me before anything else gets. And so meanwhile, what happens is, but every week, every day, I'm tempted to delay. And then I'm just going to be very nice. What will happen is if I, if I do squander time, then what happens is somebody comes by and they want to talk about they mowed their grass this morning. And I'm sitting there, and I'm being very nice with this, but I'm just going like, if you were here for something serious, it'd be okay, but you're just here to talk about grass. I wish, because you're going to go home, and you're going to cook lunch, and you're going to cook dinner, and you're going to trim your trees, and you're going to do whatever, and I've got three hours before I can even start. Oh, and then my kids are saying, Dad, when are you going to come home, and all this stuff. And I'm like, so then I'm, I'm battling. And I'm not being ugly, I'm just battling. Every day I'm tempted to delay I'm tempted to delay, but then what will happen? If I delay, I will be most ill-prepared for what I believe God considers the most important thing that he's told me to do. So then what happens is I feel like an un- undisciplined, immature little bratty kid. Come on. And, and what, what does he do? He attacks my heart with accusations. Danny, you ain't never going to get this right. Look at you. You can't, you're trying to help other people become leaders, and you can't even lead yourself. What kind of mess are you in? You're going to give up. Nothing's ever going to grow. People aren't going to be reaching this city because you can't even, you can't even put them as a priority over your little wants and desires for tree limb cutting. And it begins to attack the, the heart with accusations. What I'm saying is this. We are always under attack. There is never a does not matter time. But so often, what is our method? And here's where we transition. What is our method when we, when we sense the devil is attacking? How about this? Are you with me on this? With our feelings and our opinions. You ever do this? Well, I just don't feel like, hey, have you considered, well, you know, I just don't really feel like that's me. I don't feel like that's me. I just don't feel like I should do that. I, I, I just don't, you know, I, I know I should, but you know, you know, my mama always told me that I, uh, and, well, you know, I feel like it's going to be okay and it's going to work out and it's going to be on time. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. Well, you know, it's just kind of my opinion. You just don't let people like that walk all over you and you don't let people talk like that. And, you know, it's just the way I feel. You ever get there? You ever operate by feelings and opinions? I just feel like they shouldn't have talked to me like that and I shouldn't have, you know, they shouldn't have offended me and they shouldn't have gotten in my way. And I just feel like they should have offered me more of an opportunity. I feel like they should have done more, but they didn't. And so what do we do? We place all the blame on someone else with our feelings. So let's see. What, let's, we, we, know, we know the devil's strategies, and we know kind of how things work out. Can we look at God's plan for this, though? Can we look at God's plan? Because how many of you believe his plans are much better than our opinions? And much, much better than our feelings? Here we go. Ephesians 6.10, very popular scripture. Check this out. And the significance is who is writing this. He says, Paul says this near in the end of Ephesians, right after the favorite parent section where it says, children, obey your parents, right after, you know, for parents that make it on past that, that's not the last word. Here we go. He says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This church, that's where everybody goes, yeah, amen. That's right. But can we admit the norm? That we strive so often to stay strong in ourselves. Like, you ever say things like this? I'm just going to stay positive. I'm going to make it through. I'm just not going to give up. I'm just, I know it's going it's to all work out. And, and, and we get a lot of, I, 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 like, I'm going to make it through. Can I tell you, it's not the tactic. It's, it's, this isn't God's plan. Be strong. Everybody say it. Be strong. In the, in the Lord. So let's continue, verse 11. 
Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Can I set you free real fast? Nobody in here has one single oxygen sucking enemy. Nobody in here has one two-legged, two-armed, eyes, ears, throat, nose. Nobody in here has one single oxygen, not you, not me, us, nobody has one single oxygen-sucking enemy at all. But don't show, don't show hands right now, but how many of you are also thinking like, well, you don't know my mother-in-law, father-in-law, aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, employees, boss, co-worker. And we push back, don't we? Can I say this? We need to let them go from our emotions. The author of Ephesians, it's important who's telling us this. And we're going to look at it in a minute. He's telling us we don't have a single mortal enemy. But it says against what? Against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. Against evil spirit in the heavenly places. I don't even get that. But still, in evil spirits in the heavenly places. I'm going to say this, just kind of see where my, if i got any fans here. But if you've got Loki and Thanos, and Hela, and Ragnarok against you, just seen by having Marvel fans in the house. You, you got, if you got all of hell working against you, why in the world do you need to pick somebody else, right? Why in the world? It says, therefore, so here we go. For the, or Christian, the CSB version says this, for this reason, therefore, for this reason, verse 13, Carlos, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist. Everybody say resist. Resist. Do you realize we do not defeat devils? They already are. That's God's job. We don't have to defeat a single one because God already has. Uh, what he says is you just resist the enemy. When? In the time of evil. You know when the time of evil is? Welcome to it. The devil is a prince and the power of the air right now for a season. The battle is determined, but the battle has not ended. So he says you can resist. Some say resist your enemy in the time of evil. Some say stand your ground. Say stand your ground. Stand your ground. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. I'm just going to go off track for a minute. How do you resist in the time of evil? How do we resist in the time of evil? Because here's the reality. The, the offensive words are real, aren't, aren't they? So what do we do? We reject being offended. That's a crazy idea. We reject being offended. The fight is real. The insults are real. The worry, the jabs, they're very real. But you know what? We have a heavenly father that is also real and a heavenly authority that is real. So what do we do? Another, number two is we maintain forgiveness as our primary response. We maintain forgiveness. We're going to reject we're going to reject offense, and we're going to maintain forgiveness as our primary response. We cast our cares on the Lord. Why? What's the rest of that verse? Because he cares for us, 1 Peter 5, 7. So what do we do? We, we resist. We don't have to explain. Isn't that beautiful when we resist? We don't have to have explanations. We just resist. That's all. So here comes the complication, though. Many times we make this little, little scenario right here in Ephesians. Therefore, be strong in the, in the, in the power and the might of the Lord. Be strong in that and then resist your enemy in the time of evil. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to make this so often, we're going to make this an either or. We're going to say, you know what? I'm going to be strong in the Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to go to church. But I ain't going to resist anything I don't want to resist. 
Matter of fact, I'm going to keep indulging in what, I, what, what God has already convicted me to quit indulging in. I'm going to continue to indulge in every influence that is against God's word. But I'm going to dig in his word. And so as a matter of, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm going to delight in it. I'm going to tell, and I'm going to tell everyone else nothing is wrong. This is one tactic. The other is, you know what, we're going to do this. Forget we're not going to grow strong in the Lord. We're not going to develop in his mighty power. We're just going to say, I'm going to stand. I'm going to resist. I'm going to be positive. I mean, you know, not seeking the Lord's will, the Lord's desire, strength, and sources at one bit. But we're going to, you know what, we're going to look, we're going to scroll through. I'm going to scroll through Instagram and Facebook, and I'm going to find me a good quote that somebody else said. That, oh, man, that's what I need to hear right there today. I'm going to send them a private message because I'm not going to do it public because then people will know my junk and say, thank you so much. That's exactly what I needed. You know, this is the twofold process that Paul lays out. A twofold process that results in the battle ending and us standing firm. Here's the cool thing about standing firm. This is like educational nuts right here. Standing firm. The word is histema. Like, you know some other languages? No. Blueletterbible.com does. It's free for anybody. Histema. This is where standing firm comes from this word histema in the original language that it's written. And this is what it means. Unharmed, ready, prepared, immovable unharmed at the end of the battle you will be standing unharmed ready prepared and immovable i'm telling you all this so therefore at the end you'll stand unharmed ready prepared and immovable now who in here needs some of that who in here needs some of that you know what ain't hell is not going to touch me let all the bombs go off let all the rockets flare let everything collapse because you know what i know how the battle ends and when the battle ends i'm you know what you can go looking around because people are going to be searching for scratches on me and there ain't going to be one because i have my god protecting me because i'm developing in the mighty power and his strength and i am resisting the enemy so therefore i'm just going to be left standing on the authority of god's word that's what he said so i trust it and there's not even going to be a scratch on me because i'm going to be ready prepared and movable and unharmed 100%. So in the early 2000s, a little example of this. In the early 2000s, I happened to be in a building that an 18-wheeler decided to make a drive-through. And this wasn't just a normal 18-wheeler. This, this was an 18-wheeler that was carrying a 150-foot steam pipe on it that was weighing 52 tons. It was too big for, if, you, if some of you understand this, some of you don't, it was too big for a trailer that had it on a dolly, okay? Which just means this 18-wheeler that the trailer is not connected, and they got these wheels on the back that can re work with remote control to make corners and red lights and things like that. And so what happened? I'm in Jonesville, Louisiana, and there's some buildings that used to be like where the middle light is in town that the buildings are no longer there. But I, I, I was working the building, and I look up, and coming off the highway, there was this this decline you'd come rolling downhill into what was a driver's license office read insurance all tail cell phones you know phone stores if you remember back in the day and 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 there there was these little things in this little shopping center and so and i look up and i'm got somebody there and i'm looking across my desk and i look up and we have this big square window up front and i see this big circle like cylinder coming and I just, immediately, my thought, this was, I guess, late 90s, maybe 2000. And I look up, and I'm like, I'm about to die. <laughs> you know, that's my thought. Like, here we go, Jesus is over, you know. And so, I, I, thankfully, I'd gotten saved just a few years before, so I was like, here we go. But anyway, so here we go. It comes rolling in. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm telling you, 52 tons 
coming off an incline, about 45 miles an hour. The truck is going straight, and the trailer's swinging around. How many of you have ever been tubing or skiing or anything behind the boat? What comes around on the outside, what? Comes a lot faster, a lot more force. And so it's getting swung as it's coming down the incline, and it is just, and it's driving force. It worked out where there was a guy that was just, it worked out, he'd just gotten his registration, like, he was like 70-something, 65, 70-something years old, and he, he was in an old Chevy Lumina, kind of the ones that kind of roll and are smooth, and he leaned over. He had just gotten in his car and leaned over in his glove box to put his registration in when the top of his car went flat. Boom, bumped him on the head. And, and th it was just, everything was so timely, and this thing comes crashing in, and it's, and I'm thinking, and, and literally, I'm, my legs are like, all of a sudden I realize I'm laying down, my legs are laid out, I'm like, this thing, I know how things go for my life. It's going to roll on my legs, and it's going to stop. So I said, nope, take all of me, Jesus. You're going to take me. And I tuck up, and, and I and literally, literally thinking those thoughts. And so anyway, and so it rolled, and it sounded like it just, it probably crashed for about all of five seconds, but it sounds like five minutes, you know. And, and it stops. And I kind of come to my senses, and I go, I'm still here. Okay. I didn't understand everything that went on at that point, but so... I find I'm under this little thin metal table that just holds a typewriter. You could have stomped on it and crimpled it. And I lean my head up, and I come out, and I take a big step up because the, the, the building is leveled to this high. I had a desk, and my desk was at the floor level, but all the debris. It was, a, it was nothing but a cinder block building. My guys in the house, you know, a cinder block is good for what? Nothing if you bump it. It just crumbles. It just crumbles. And it, so you've got this center block building. You've got 52 tons, 104,000 pounds for my non-math people, 45-plus miles an hour, downhill, and it comes into the building, and it stops. It just stops. The trooper said he looked, and the trooper that was leading it said he looked back in his rearview mirror, and he saw something, and he went, oh, no. You know, and it just stops. Cold turkey. When I come up, I'm walking, walking out, the debris is waist high, my, and I look and I observe there was one metal pipe of reinforcement that goes through this building, and, and it comes in, and it was laid perfectly, come out of the angle, come right across my desk, broke my desk in half, and the end of it landed right over my chair, like right, it would have hit right here, just coming. The only thing that was intact in, in the entire building, and literally, there's the area, I'm looking, I look around, when I look back, when I, come up, when I stepped up out, there was a perfect U where I was. Without a speck of dust, y'all. Without a crumble of cinder block concrete. I mean, I'm looking and I'm studying this. I'm getting up and I'm walking out like a boss, you know, like God stopped that truck. It is awesome, you know. And but you know that can I say this? That is God's design for you and us and me with every single strategy of the devil. The devil is slinging and slinging and slinging and slinging. But God is saying, but you're going to be standing according to my tactic. You're going to be, when you trust in me and my mighty power and my strength developing in me, and you just simply resist, when all the smoke is over and the crashing stops, you're going to be the one standing unharmed, untouched, ready, prepared, and movable. But have you ever considered this? That the truths of God's word that we celebrate when we are up are the very truths that we deny when we're down. Like, I never see Jesus 
giving the disciples a comfort talk. Can you imagine? I mean, Peter denies him three times. We don't sit, and Jesus goes back and he talks to Peter for a little while and then he finally just had to sit down with him. And he doesn't come up and say, Peter, man, I know you don't understand everything that's going on right now, but you're going to it one day. Just keep, just keep your head up, man. I'm praying for you, Peter. He never speaks to, to Peter according to his condition. He speaks to Peter according to his truth and according to his calling. And so what does he tell Peter? Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Well, then get up and go. Huh? You're still sitting here. Peter, do you love me? You know I do, Lord. Then get up. Do what I told you to do. Yeah, I died. I'm back. Everything's bad. People hate you now. Yeah. Peter's still sitting there. Peter, do you love me? Peter starts crying. You know I do, Lord. Why are you asking me again? Because you're still sitting here. Get up. Go feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my people. I called you. I told you you were going to fail, but then I told you to restore everybody when you got back up. You're back up. Go restore. Go the man that Jesus built the church and began the church with in a human form is Peter. And he never even speaks to Peter according to his condition one time. How often are we waiting to be comforted for our condition when Jesus is saying, but I've done giving you your calling and giving you my truth. Walk in my truth and not the condition. So often we sit, we're waiting for an explanation, but we still, we don't realize, you know what? We're not accountable to an explanation. We're accountable to the revelation that we already have. We're, one, one thing is consistent. Those who always say, woe is me, always have more woes. And those who have continue actions forward, always continue to work from joy, from victory to victory. The crit, can, can we just be honest? The, crit, the critic within us all, I don't know if you have an crit inside critic like I have an inside critic. But the critic, I found out the critic that's in me is just like the critics that are outside of me. None of them are ever satisfied. Inside or, or out. The significance of this, is, though, is this. The significance is who God had write this. The significance was Peter. When he had Peter write what he had to write. The significance is now Paul, when he has Paul write, because he is a man in prison. He knows about being beaten, about being shipwrecked, about being left for dead, about being hated and rejected and kicked out and ostracized. And yet he is the man that is sitting in prison at the current moment of writing this letter to us. And he is a man in prison and he is sending encouragement to people that are outside. Rocket science. He is sending encouragement to people who are not in prison. He, is, he was speaking from a good, he was not speaking from a good condition at all, but he was speaking from the understanding of truth. How do we wrap this up? What's, what's the application today? Here we go. The devil's strategy against you, against your family, against every moment of your life, is always accusation-based. At some level. And we can be saved, and we can live beat down, we can live beat down making poor choices every single day, every time, because you know what? We want an explanation for every single attack and every resistance and provide every reason why we can't do anything and provide every reason why we just can't, 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 can't. Or we can live based off the revelation that Jesus already proved he was never going to leave you hanging. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. You know what? When he took the cross, he already proved that he wasn't going anywhere. And so what do we do? We choose to live no longer wanting explanation, but trusting revelation. We just make a choice. You know what? I'm not going to live off of explanations anymore. I'm not going to need an explanation for why you, every, 
life treats me like it treated me and why I was raised where I was and why I was born where I was. And doggone it, I'm not going to get so far to say, well, why was I born here and they were born there? I'm not, I'm not going to live looking for explanations of why, why bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. I'm not going to dig in all the little who's and why's and YouTube it to the nth degree with every kind of argue and debatist and everything. I'm not, I'm not going to live off an of explanation at any point in time anymore. I'm just going to trust the revelation. Let me ask you this. What is the revelation of Jesus that you have so far? Because that's the revelation that we're accountable to. What is the revelation you have so far? How about this? He loves me. Can we go there? That's pretty awesome. He will never leave me or forsake me. You have that revelation? Have you been given that truth? He loves me. He will never leave me. That's, that's great. That's the Lord is my, He is the healer. That's pretty wonderful. That's significant. What about your testimony? What have you been delivered from? You know, I don't, I don't understand why I am what I am, but I do know what He's already delivered me from. I do know the miracle of the past. I do know where He brought me through. I, my, the, my marriage may be on the rocks, but you know what? It was on pea ground before. At least we got a little bit more foundation now, something to set in. I was homeless before, but now I got a place to stay. We're all crammed in one room, but we got a roof out of the rain. What is the revelation that you have so far? Well, man, I remember the day that he, he I didn't understand it all, but he filled me with his spirit. It just, I couldn't explain it, but it went from this to this, you know? Great. That's awesome. What is it? Because live with that. With every attack, live with that explanation. Live with that explanation. Well, why does this happen? I don't know, but I know what God's delivered me from. Well, why am I going through this? I don't know, but I know He will never leave me nor forsake me. Well, why is it going to? I don't know, but I know He loves the whole world, and I'm in the world, so surely He loves me. Well, how can God love you? Because He loves whosoever, and if I ain't got a name, I can fit in the whosoever group. You know, why is why in the world? Because somebody showed me kindness and bought me a hamburger the other day. I just had to trust that was God speaking to me in the mail, that He's still watching and He still cares that I'm not giving up. You know what? We can grow in that power and that understanding of grace and we can turn our mind toward his strength as we walk in repentance of where we've been and victory and believing in where he is we resist because we don't have to drop down to the devil's level anymore and you know the beauty of it he can never come up to yours when i get out of the explanation realm the devil can never come up to revelation realm because there is no lie that overcomes the truth but there is a truth for every lie that was already given. You know what? Lastly, living revelation-based, strong in His mighty power and His strength, just simply resisting. You know what? He won't be standing at the end. But you will. That's revelation right there. How awesome would it be? Let me ask I won't ask for a show of hands, but just think this out. Normal response to the devil's attack on you, because he's always attacking. Normal response. Is it explanations and opinions and feelings? And if so, as the man Dr. Brassbill would teach me, he says, how's it working out for you? I know how it works out for me, and it never goes to a better level. So what 
can, can I invite you to a new way that brings peace? That doesn't bring an explanation for everything, but it brings peace in the midst of anything. And to say, you know what, from this day forward, God, with your help, I'm going to live off the revelation of what I already know about you. And with that, I will continue to grow in that. And that will develop, I will understand more and more of your mighty power and your strength. And as I understand more and more of your mighty power and your strength, you know what? I find it comes easier and easier to resist because I remember how powerful you are. So it's not hard to resist when I know you're already my protector. Come on, somebody. So we just resist. Revelation, not explanation. Unharmed, ready, prepared, immovable, left standing. The battle is determined, but you'll be standing at the end. Lord Jesus, I thank you so incredibly much for today, God. Lord, I thank you that you lead us into things that are beyond easy for us, but they are so simple for you. I thank you that you allow us to get in places where we can grab your rope of hope, Jesus. Where I, I thank you that you are the great rescuer, the life giver. You make us new. I thank you that you, you proved you have nothing else to prove. We have nothing else to call because you proved it all when you gave your perfect body on a cross for us and you chose to come to earth just to do that for us you have nothing left to prove and you don't ask us to prove ourselves back to you you just ask us to trust you to trust that you are in control that you are savior you are god the holy spirit will dwell within us when we believe on you and that you will lead us from victory to victory to victory it may be chaos on the path of victory but the victory is already determined you have nothing else to prove so today jesus we just as a church surrender to your truth over our feelings and we engage in greater action because of the truth of you that we know it compels us to want to see people find new life in you jesus we don't want anyone living in chaos. We don't want anyone going to hell. We don't want anyone suffering. We want people living in your truth. 